Um, did you love that? Yeah. yeah, okay, you got it, right? He's having fun with his family. Okay, good, good, good. Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Katie Griffin. I'm so happy to be with you here this morning. And family is about having fun together. We are going to dive right into Relationships 101. Last week, we had the opportunity to hear from Pastor Israel on marriage. He did a fantastic job. And then the week before that was Dr. Jim Winnie, and he talked to us about conflict within relationships. And then so today, we're going to head right into family relationships. And as Pastor Israel was talking uh, last Sunday, he was saying that he was going back and forth, like, am I going to get, should I take family? Should I take marriage? Should I take family marriage? And I think we kind of just drew a straw and he's like, you've got family, I've got marriage. And so it's very interesting how God works that out. I don't, it's not really just a straw. I think that God is working in our lives as pastors in order for us to learn something too with it. And so as this week has kind of been a little challenge in my family, I'm like, I got the picture, God. <laughs> so we all are learning. And so um, we will continue right into where Pastor Israel was in the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. And we get a picture right there of what a husband and wife um, it are. And it is Adam and Eve. And we can continue there and see that Adam and Eve started a family. And so Eve gave birth to a boy and they named him Cain as we are told in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1, and later to his brother Abel. Now, from the very creation of family, there have been problems. The story with the two brothers is not a pretty one, and Cain becomes jealous of his brother Abel, and he kills him. And the Lord is furious with Cain and banishes him from their homeland and requires him to work and says, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And later, which could have been, we're not sure, we're not giving a number, but around a hundred years later, it says that um, Eve gives birth to another son. And that son is called Seth in place of Abel. And then it goes on to say, then men began to call upon the name of the Lord and so things were going okay for that moment. However, if we continue on, we begin, we read then that Noah's time comes around. And all of you remember that story that you might have heard in childhood? Well, what happened in Noah's time with families? None of them were found to be good except one, except Noah's family. And they loaded them up on the ark and the rest of them got flooded out. And so... So family after family, if we go on in the Old Testament and still here today, have their issues. So if we move forward to the book of Leviticus, it helps us out. And it gives us a simple, just a few simple commands on how we can do life better as a family. In which it says in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 11, verse 13, it says this. Love the Lord your God. And serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So after all that came, all those families, all that difficulty, once again, God comes back to the people and gives them some simple instructions and says, just love the Lord God with all your heart and your soul. And then he goes on to give them more instructions with that command in, 11, 13, in 1821. And he says this, Place these words on your hearts. Get them deep inside you. Tie them on your hands and your foreheads as a reminder. Teach them to your children 
Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning until you fall into bed at night. So that is pretty much all the time, right? That you're consistently with your family, teaching them to love the Lord God. And he goes on even more. Inscribe them on the doorposts and gates of your cities so that you will live a long time. There's the promise. That when you do this, you will live a long time and your children with you. And on the soil that God promised to give your ancestors for as long as there is sky over the earth. This is the word of God for us here this morning. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it's not a mistake that each and every person is here this morning. Lord, that there is something that you want to speak into their hearts about family. Lord, I thank you for teaching me, continuing to help me to grow in your scripture and your word. Lord, and I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit here this morning and that you would give us a special gift. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So this scripture speaks into communication, right? As you communicate with your kids, it speaks into instruction, instructing us on how we should go and, and during the, and, um, when we walk with them, when they're at bedtime, all the different things. It also speaks about obedience and how we are obedient to the Lord and to his commands. And so God is not interested in families just surviving. He wants more out of families. He wants our family life to thrive. He is interested in families thriving and thriving well and being healthy. And so I have four things I'd like to cover this morning. And what I believe that God is showing us in his word and teaching us to have a thriving family. And so the first thing to having a thriving family, as we saw there in the video, is to have fun, to have fun with your kids, no matter what the age, this, here, here, adult children, all of them, because family should be fun. You know, truly, basically today, in today's society, families are in a hurry. Would you agree? Yeah, and you run, maybe perhaps, I've seen some kids' calendars before, and parents have shown me their calendar. I'm like, you have a separate calendar for your kids? I go, oh yeah, this is my kid's calendar. I'm like, wow. And it's like dotted and this and color-coded and has all the things. I mean, it's almost families like run like a business or or almost like an experiment. It, it, It almost in a sense that you're looking to make the perfect little family or the perfect little child. Let me tell you, there's no such thing. So you might as well just have fun, right? And so play, the Bible talks about play. And I believe that play is essential to adults and not just children. The Bible does speak into play and work. But if all you do is work, what will your life be? It'll be boring, right? Work, 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 work. Work is an important part of your life, as the Bible says, but it is also, but the word of God also says that play is as equally important in your life. It is written here in the book of Ecclesiastes, written by the wisest man ever, written by Solomon himself. In chapter 8, verse 15, this is what he writes about play. I command 
the enjoyment in life. And so I, I wonder how many of you here this morning remember your kindergarten experience? It's a few of you? Yeah, okay. So you remember in kindergarten, remember probably like my days, like, like today's society kindergarten is more all about Common Core and all those other things that you have to teach them. But in, back in my time in kindergarten, they just had you play. You know, you were just had like a little play kitchen. You had like, you know, all the other fun things. And there was a reason behind that playing because kids learn and grow through play. And so God wants us to enjoy life. He doesn't want us just to endure it. Again, in the book of Ecclesiastes in eleven seven, it says this. Solomon again once says, people should enjoy every day. You see, we have no idea how many days that we're given. And if you have children, right, you need to enjoy them. It's okay. Have fun with your kids. You know why? Because having fun with your kids builds trust with them and allows them to see their parents in their world. There's actually this popular psychologist, and his name is Dr. Greenspan, and he says this about play. When you play with your children, you're not only connecting and engaging, you're exchanging back and forth emotional signals, which is helping the child, which actually helps out the child, regulate their mood and their behavior. Interesting. It also helps them learn to read social signals and learn to communicate. Each of these abilities contributes to the child's sense of security. And so people will say, well, you know, um, well, I do have fun with my kids, but it costs a lot of money. I don't have, you know, I can't take them to Boomers every day, and I can't take them out to the water park, and Disneyland is like $400 for two of us. You know, it's just so much money. I don't have enough money to have this fun. I think, you don't have to have money to have fun with your kids. My husband teaches at uh, Flamson Middle School. He hasn't graduated, 17 years, middle schooler. And... uh, (laughs) And so he is with middle school kids all day long for the past 17 years. And so when our kids were toddlers, you know, when they come home, dad comes home, they want to play, right? They're like, yeah, let's play. And you would think that he'd be like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired. I've been at work all day long. I've been around these ruthless kids, you know, no thanks. But yet he would know that in our family, play was so important. Having fun with our kids was so important. So he would, what you got to do is go to the closet, take out a sheet, throw it on the floor, Throw a child in the middle of the sheet, wrap them up. We call them taco boat rides, and they're free, okay? And, and you take the kid, you take the kid inside there, and you go through the hallways, and they're like a little ping pong or like a pin, pinball, ding, 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 and they're screaming and yelling, and everybody's having fun, and I'm just sitting there going, please don't let anybody be hurt, you know? <laughs> but it's just, you see what I mean? It's fun, and it's free, and it's simple. They might look different in all of your families, too. And so... The book of Psalms tells us that children are a gift from God. So let me ask you this question. Are you enjoying your kids or are they just a project? I recommend having fun. That way you'll experience some happiness along some of the hard work that's going to happen along the road. The greatest thing, and here's the one, one kicker here. Some people will say to me, well, Katie, I give them 
my kids everything that they'll need. So that is how I know, that's how I play with them. Like I work really hard to get all this money to give to them. And so they have everything they need so they should be happy. And I look at the kid and I say, are you happy? And they say, no, because what they really want and what really kids want, and I'm not just talking about toddlers or this teenagers or adult kids. What they really, really want is they want you. They want your time. They want you to be present with them more than they want the things. Things come and go, but your time is invaluable. And so that is our first thing. So have fun with your kids. The second thing for a thriving family, and Pastor Israel talked about this last week, but I think it's equally as important to include in this conversation here today, is that the second thing for thriving families is you must invest into your marriage. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says this, Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. So dad, if you're here today, the greatest gift you can give your children is to love their mom. When a dad loves the mom and vice versa, and the children witness this, they're able to feel secure. When a father shows love, it provides peace in the hearts of the children. So you need to date your wife. Yeah. A love-starved relationship breeds trouble. Now, I like word pictures. I don't know about you, but I'm going to help you out with this. What I mean when I say a love-starved relationship breeds trouble. Imagine that you have a hose with oxygen feeding your lungs. Okay, that's what you have, that oxygen into your lungs to keep you alive. If someone was to step on that hose and it shuts off your air supply, you will quickly begin to die, correct? Because you need oxygen to live. It's the same way with a marriage relationship. Step on the hose, supplying the fresh air to the marriage, and it will quit growing. So when the kids come along into the picture, far too often, it's kind of the end of our courting date, right? Our courting relationship, our dating life, or whatever you want to call it. I think that we would be surprised at the outcome if if we did some simple things. And we just dated our spouse every now and then. And we poured into them. And the significant thing would be how secure our kids would feel. Now the third thing is thriving families encourage growth. So not only are they having fun together, not only am I investing into my marriage, and the third thing um, we're also doing is are encouraging growth. They encourage lifelong learners, always growing. Uh, Mom never stops growing. Dad never stops growing. Everybody in the family union, whatever your family looks like, everybody's encouraging one another growing. Because if your family is not growing, it's boring, right? You stay the same. In Luke 2.52, we get this great example. And Jesus was 12 years old, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. Intellectual growth, stature with physical and favor with God, spiritual growth, favor with man, and personal growth. You see, every member of your family should be growing both mentally, physically, spiritually, and personally. You know why I say this? Because most often, 
the problems as an adult, the problems that you're having as an adult comes from the fact that you didn't learn certain skills when you were younger, which then affects all the other relationships in your life. Would you agree? Yeah. So sometimes what I'll hear from families when I'm talking to them, they'll say, well, I just want to protect my kids. I don't want them to do that. I want to protect them. I want to protect them. I'm going to hold them in. I'm going to keep them a little nest and I'm a little birdie mom. I'm not going to let them fly out. Right? Are you letting you? I'm not going to have them, let them do this. I say, let them fail. Let them fall out of the nest. Let them hit the ground. It's okay. Because a family arena is the greatest place to learn. I often share um, that when you allow them space to fail and you come alongside of them, and, and then you're there, right? Mom and dad, you're there to pick them up. You're not only there to pick them up when they're young and they make those mistakes, you're off there when they're older also to make those mistakes because you've created that safe family environment, right? And so, and the, and the environment will help them, your family grow not only intellectually through their education, but also growth in their relationship with God. And in those times, it will begin to grow and mold their character, which we're trying to do, teach them in the ways of the Lord, right? What our scripture said earlier. And I find this all so familiar, you know, even in our family. Um, I'm going to embarrass my son now because he's here in the service, but uh, <laughs> um, he, you know, part of allowing him to fail. So one night he comes in and there's people ding dong dishing toilet paper in our house. I mean, you name it, the Griffins were toilet paper like every other weekend or more, okay? And so we, this was going on for quite some time. And so we got a ding dong ditch and then he runs into my room and he's like, I'm gonna go chase after him in the car. Give me the keys, give me the keys. Okay, go ahead, right? So off he goes and he's chasing him, trying to find him and he comes back down the, down the um, road there and he hits a car, right? Lesson learned. And so the guy comes out, and who does the car belong to? A policeman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he was able to fail, right? You're able to fail, and you're able to grow. And we're right there. We're like, yo, sorry. We're all sorry. Yes, yes, yes. We all learned, right? We all learned that evening. And so we, that was a point. There's a point there, right? Growing and learning is a good thing for a healthy family. And so two ways that help people grow through the scripture, through example, is in John 13, verses 14 through 15. Great example of when Christ, he says, now that I am Lord and teacher and have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. So we grow through example. And we see that in Christ. Another way that we grow is through conversation. And so that brings us to our fourth way that families just thrive, that they can thrive is through healthy communication. Now, this is a biggie. What is healthy communication? What is healthy conflict? What do we do with feelings? How do I handle my emotions? What do I do with these emotions? And I'm looking at the time, and we need to be done in five minutes, and that's going to take me about an hour to cover. So... I thought, I was, when I was preparing for this, I said, this is such an important aspect of healthy, thriving families. I think the best thing that we can do is provide you with an acronym. You all know what an acronym is? And so it's like a, a word, and then every letter stands for something. So our acronym for healthy communication with our families is LOVE-A. I made up the word, OK? 
okay? <laughs> and it's spelled L-U-V-E dash A. All right? And this is healthy communication. And this is not only going to help you with your spouse, with your kids. This is going to help you in blended families. This is going to help you with your uh, moms, your adults relating to your moms, your in-laws. Let's name it, everything. L stands for listening. To truly listen is one of the greatest gifts that we could give someone. To be present. And I'm talking about listening with our whole bodies, our eyes, our ears, and with attention, with an open heart. And so you might say, how, is, how do I do that? How do I listen like that? And so I'm going to give you a few examples. One, you turn towards him or her that you're having this conversation with, and you give them eye contact. That says, first off, I'm listening. The second thing that you could do is you can give them undivided attention, putting what you've been doing out of sight and out of mind, right? And not being distracted. What are those things in conversations when you're trying to have this important conversation and they provide and there are constant distractions? The computer, your phone, the TV, right? Put away that activity just for a moment. Concentrate on what he or she is saying, paying extra attention to their hearts. Maybe what are their emotions right now? What are they feeling? Um, big one, big, huge one. Watch for nonverbal cues and body language. 80% of communication is done with body language. 20% is done with what comes out of your mouth. Isn't that surprising? So when you're talking to somebody, it goes both ways. If you're talking to somebody and you're looking like this, what am I saying? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear what you say. I don't want to hear it. So vice versa, both ways. But if I am able to be encouraging and being reassuring body language and being open, that allows that person some effective communication. Resist thinking about your reply or rebuttal. Don't get sidetracked by whether you agree with what he or she is saying. And let them finish. Let them finish before you respond. Don't cut them off, even though you want to, right, sometimes. But it's best in healthy communication that you allow them to have that space to say what they need to say. So the next thing in our our acronym is you, which is understand. When responding to our family, we need to make our primary goal to understand rather than being understood. That's a biggie. Because we we want to be understood, right? But in order to have this healthy conversation, we need to be able to understand what they're saying. And so how do you, how do you, understand, how do you apply understanding? Simple, curiosity. Instead of judging or ignoring your spouse or your child or your family relation, whoever you're talking with, your emotions, you... you you have the opportunity to be curious about his or her feelings, and so curiosity leads to discovery. So then you're able to go, oh, thank you. I didn't understand that. Now I can understand, right? Because I'm curious. I ask them questions about what they're saying. Now I have a better understanding, so it creates less confusion. The next thing is perhaps is V, so now we're at L-U-V, and V stands for validation, 
And validation is modeled in a family when we safely allow our spouse or our children or other family members to share their thoughts and feelings. The message is that it's okay to think or feel the way he or she does. It's okay. The worst thing that you can say to a child is when they're upset and they start crying is stop crying. Come on. Allow them to have that space to do that. And so how do you do this? How do you validate those emotions? The first thing is that you can repeat back to them what your family member is saying. This is just like basic communication. I hear you saying, you know, so then they say something. You say, I hear this is what I hear you saying. Sometimes they go, oh, I wasn't saying that at all. Ha, solve the problem right away. Second thing, acknowledge the underlying emotion. Wow, that must have been scary for you. Or wonder how you, how did that make you feel? You know, those type of things. And that goes to the next thing. Accept their feelings and their perspective. Like, I can understand why you felt that way. You see, understanding that it's okay to have a different opinion. Because people will say, well, does that mean that I agree? Maybe I don't agree with what they're saying. I don't agree with what they're saying. I said, no, you don't have to agree with what they're saying, but you are just understanding it's okay. You're you're bringing about understanding so you, you can have a different opinion. I know you've heard it's okay to disagree, right? But you're allowing the space to talk. And so the E is empathy on our acronym. And so becoming an empathetic person is a process. First, you must allow your open heart to be touched by the pain of others. And we are giving such a great example of this from Jesus in his word. When Jesus says it was deeply moved in spirit. So you must allow your heart to experience what your spouse is feeling, what your kids are feeling, what the other person in your family that is expressing is feeling. And even so, he gives us another example when he says that Jesus wept with them. And there we see his fully human side of God and that we share in that likeness. And so finally, don't try to end his or her pain. Follow Christ's example and just sit with them. Sit with their emotions wherever they're at. We don't need to fix someone's feelings or try to move them beyond their pain. We need just to allow them and to have that empathetic heart toward them. Now, the last one, and this is an addition, right? Because L-U-V-E spells love, sort of, kind of, right? <laughs> and so it's dash A. And this is so important because this is a lost art in our society today, I believe. And the A stands for apology. And so if you're communicating and you've gone through that list and you're understanding where they're coming from and you have made a mistake, okay, folks? It's okay for you to say you're sorry. It's okay. Actually, when you say you're sorry to your children, miles. It goes miles with them. Because you're not only demonstrating how to be apologetic, but you're also saying, I value you, and I love you enough to say I'm sorry. And you are teaching them that. And so it's just a huge, huge thing. And so to remain In a loving relationship, you must grasp the idea that forgiveness is essential. And so that really is Family Relationships 101. You can apply all these things that we learned here today to all different types of family situations. Like I said, adult kids, little kids, spouses, in-laws, dating relationships, whatever it may be.
Every single one of them. And knowing that God wants families not just to exist, but he wants them to thrive. And so he loves us. He wants your relationships to be awesome. And so I seek you. I, well, let me take back step on that. <laughs> I hope you seek him and invite him to walk alongside of you in your relationships. And when you do, as the word of God, as we read this morning, it says this, it promises to be a long life. And that sounds good. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. And I know it's not always easy to hear about families. And I know a lot of families are hurting. And people have been hurt within their family, Lord. So I pray that you would heal those wounds. And I pray that you would continue to move us forward with what you have taught us here today. That we can make our families just not be a place of existence or a schedule, but a place to experience you. And a, a place to have fun, a place to love one another, and a place to allow people to understand and hear one another and communicate well. Lord, I just, again, thank you for today. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.